Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble, or do you sometimes, Dr. Jasek? I mean, I do you fudge it ever? Nope. I mean, <laughs> my clients do, but... You know, and sometimes they fess up. Sometimes they're like, "Why wow, I just had that bag of kibble. I just wanted to finish it. I want to throw it away. But that is probably my one absolute. I always say there's no absolutes in medicine. That's one absolute. Don't feed kibble. There are no healthy ones. There's no good ones. Um, there's only advantages to getting getting pets off of it and feeding them a fresh diet. So I never, never, I used to, I used to, well, you know, maybe there's some better ones. I'm like, no. They're all, they're all terrible. They're all terrible. They are. They're all terrible. And uh, I actually did a video. I need to put it out when I was doing the pet summits. Um, and I did this video about kibble and I, I don't have it up. I need to put it up, but it's really, really gross. Um, and they just keep trying to make it again. I, I talk about this all the time where I listen to uh, pet food industry and they're like, this company bought that company and they're coming out with a new uh, food and it's, you know, the, the, the vegan diet uh, that doesn't look like a vegan diet and all this BS. And you, it just, it's, it's just weird to me because we're in such a little niche that we're not trying to, you know, uh, go global, right? We're not trying to go global. Uh, because we can't. I mean, can't. W- when you go that big, you you've got to have the the animals for that, right? You've got to have them in the pasture, and you know where are you going to get your animals from, and that sort of thing. So you have to decide what you want to do. Do you want to serve this certain market, right, and not adulterate your food, or what do you want to do? I mean, it's, those are all those questions. It's very difficult. It was almost yeah. easier back when it was not a thing, but, <laughs> but we're glad it's a thing because it's helping more pets. Right. Right. Yeah. And if you're using, you know, really crappy ingredients like, you know, dead animals or, you know, um, industry waste from God knows where, and you're just going around and scavenging all these ingredients, it's pretty easy to just grind all that up to, into pet food. And then it's so highly processed that it could sit in a bag for six months or a year and never go bad because there's nothing alive in it. Well, it is easy to ship those foods all over the world. You know, oh, you've, yeah. got a, you've got a product that can go everywhere, but if you have a good quality product, well, it's, you know, it's pretty hard to ship fresh food around, you know, there's some real, real challenges there, but you know what? I think what gets me is like how complicated this has been made to me. It's so incredibly simple. Just right. feed them fresh food that they're meant to eat. Period. The end. Like how how hard is that? But it's like this whole industry has been built on these cheap diets, these overly processed diets, like because they make money. 
um, for the people producing them and the vets selling them. And so there's all these conflicts and you got to have the elimination diets and the, and the kidney diets and the intestinal diets. It's just become so convoluted. If you just feed them what they're meant to eat, they're going to be healthy. And then if they need help beyond that, then you do a few other things to support the body. To me, pet health is so incredibly simple. You just feed them what they're meant to eat and quit poisoning them. We're done. We don't even need vets. <laughs> right. And that's why they do it. Um, they, they're creating they're, they're creating their own industry by keeping pets sick. Well, I mean, why? And you've heard this. I think we were even talking about uh, that conference that you went to where the the concept today is don't think, just ask this one person. And you were uh, talking about, um, was it, was it uh, the avian flu with the chickens where they mm. said, you know, don't, don't try to diagnose it as a vet. Don't talk about it. Just call your state vet. Call the state vet. Yeah. That's what the, for chickens, the way they treat chickens. Cause it was interesting because we've got chickens now. Like what are they? I knew it'd be all conventional, but I thought that's not here what they're, what they're talking about. So they talk about the avian flu, which is this whole fear thing. You know, it's, it's about creating fear. That's how, that's how industries control people and push their agenda is by creating fear. So now, Oh, avian flu, it's jumping species now. So pretty soon dogs are going to be getting it and cats and people and, and all this stuff. And literally I probably heard this, the lady, the speaker, at least a half dozen times in one lecture say, and just don't do anything, just call the state vet and they'll handle it, which means they're going to come, they're going to do some kind of bogus test and then they kill the chickens. They just kill them. They don't, they don't try to help them or help the person. Like, well, well, you know, so, you know, I follow Joel Salatin a lot and his Mm -hmm. natural farming and I've when I really first started listening to him, I was blown away because this guy uses no medications, no dewormers. He doesn't do any vaccines, which we knew no do more harm than good, but he raises a lot of animals. Like how does he keep parasites up? Because parasites do show up in nature, you know, especially when animals are, are more concentrated, but he has, instead of reaching for the dewormer or the vaccine or the pharmaceutical, he's worked on his his management so if he lost a bunch of chickens he'd be like okay what's going on maybe i have a nutrient deficiency and that sometimes would be the case there's some of these diseases they're just like they need more b vitamins they need more natural food and the same with the cattle and and anytime anything would show up he'd look at his management to me that's what the veterinarian should be doing they should be helping these producers and most of these are probably small producers, you know, um, the big operations, probably have their own in-house vets. Um, but why, why aren't the vets helping them? Well, maybe let's, what are you feeding them? Oh my God, diet. It's important for chickens too. You know, like, what are you feeding them? Maybe there's a nutrient deficiency. Maybe there's something we can do to help improve their health by, you know, helping you improve your management. Nope. Just kill them. It's just, it's, it's just so disgusting. Like what has happened to this profession? When, when did we stop really trying to help pets and help people? And then these people are producing. Sometimes this is part of their livelihood and you're doing nothing to help them figure it out. Nope. Just hop back in your car, call the state vet, go out for coffee. Well, she didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. But lazy, just absolutely lazy. I was talking to um, 
one of our duck suppliers. He actually mm -hmm. made a trip here. And we were talking about this whole avian flu thing. And he he said it it disturbed him so much watching them call kill these ducks that was he said basically based on nothing wasn't sure. based on any type of factual flu or disease or virus or whatever you want to call it he said they just came in and and killed a bunch of his animals well they say that that the waterfowl are like harboring it. Like they don't get, that's one of the things she actually mentioned. Like one of the things they say to prevent it is you don't have ponds, you don't have standing water because if you get the waterfowl in, because they're the ones spreading it. So maybe that's why, like they, there, there's this narrative that it spread in the wild waterfowl. So then domestic, you know, waterfowl, well, they're just going to be carrying, it doesn't matter if they're not sick. I'm sure they're asymptomatic carriers. But, yes. but uh, I mean, when, when we talk about, are they sick? I mean, I, who's sick? Nobody that I know that has chickens, even the people, the producers, they were like, there was really no evidence of anything. And yet they came in and killed all these backyard chickens and. <sighs> oh, they have. I mean, but I think there's like a PCR test for it. Okay. It's a bogus test. Of course. It's bogus tests, just like with the, just like the COVID tests. They're just bogus tests. So, you know, they want to, well, you know how it works. They want to create fear. They want to create a disease program or disease problem. Yep. And Keep then, talking. and then they create a test that just tests positive no matter what. So you I know? got this, I, I got this book. Have you read this book? No, no. Uh -uh. Gosh, so many books to read. <laughs> the Great Bird Flu by Dr. Joseph McCullough. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a great book. Let's see. When did this book come out? Um, oh, published in Nashville, Tennessee, next to where you be. Go figure. All right. Um, let's have a look. See here. 2006. Oh, 2006. Wow. That's a long time ago. But it will, it will uh, dovetail right into all the other hoaxes that you see. Right. But it, it's amazing. So I go back and I, I start reading this stuff and I'm just blown away that even the information, the truth can be out there. But if you just keep telling the lies and keep pushing a bigger narrative, it will cover up the truth. Right. Totally right. Something, said, something said enough times people believe it, even if it doesn't make any sense. Just like dogs need grain to have healthy hearts. I mean, that's been disproven, but people are still saying it and they'll say it for a long time because they got used to saying it. It was convenient. Everybody was doing it. There's that strength and well, that's the way everybody's doing it. So I don't have to go against the grain and I'm not going to get in trouble from my, from my state board. You know, it just, just kills me that, you know, the standard of care, what the things that veterinarians don't get in trouble for using or using to treat their pets are are poisoning them, but, oh, use herbs or ozone or recommend a fresh food diet. Oh, now that's really, really bad for pets. We, we can't, we can't have any of that stuff going on. Well, you were saying that they were highly discouraging CBD. Yeah. 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 And it was totally the angle. You know, I went to this talk again, cause I was curious to see 
what they say, not that I was expecting to learn anything. Well, I did learn something um, that how messed up, <laughs> how how messed up the this uh, narrative is in the veterinary profession. Because most clients that if I ask, you know, are you on CBD? Have you tried CBD in your pet? And if they've talked to their vet about it, usually it's the vets won't discuss to talk about that. It's like, I'm not allowed because it's still like tech, like federally illegal kind of technically, but not that's why we can't sell it. But that's what, that's what the vets are taught. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. So it's just easier to just not talk, even if it helps the pets. Like I can't be bothered with, you know, something that I might have to look into and learn something about um, on my own. But the whole crux of the talk was about toxicity. Now I recommend CBD all the time, pretty much almost all my patients, because it has so many benefits, no matter what age or condition, it's anti-inflammatory, helps with anxiety. And God knows we got so many anxious pets these days. Um, so instead of putting them on fluoxetine, which is generic Prozac or Trazodone or some of these sedatives, like let's just try some good old CBD. But I mean, they had a whole list of potential side effects, you know, like Oh, it elevates liver enzymes. And I mean, like side effects that sounded potentially serious. I don't even know where they got the information from, to be honest, because it was so not true. But I can guarantee you any veterinarian sitting in there that had not used CBD and had not experienced with it wouldn't touch it because they would be afraid of it after that lecture, which was the whole intent. I'll have to look back and see which pharmaceutical company um, sponsored that one. Probably one that sells like, you know, some kind of sedative or something, some drug that they want vets prescribing instead of instead of the CBD. Yeah, it's really bad, really bad. And that's unfortunately the majority of the profession. That's like me that practice more holistically. Unfortunately, we're few and far between. And that's what you're running into in the majority of conventional medicine. Were the vets able to raise their hands and ask any questions, any, any, hey, uh, you know, where's the evidence? Uh, give us this, give us that. Were they able to ask any questions in these talks? Oh, they, they could have. Nobody did. You yeah. don't ask a question? Oh, no. That's part of the programming, Didi. You just do what you're told. You just do what you're told. You sell these drugs. You just, you just, you just play along with the mainstream. Did they all talk alike, laugh alike, look alike, walk alike? Kind of like, kind of like, yeah. That's kinda scary. Like, like I told you, like <laughs> I felt so uncomfortable there, and I just went just to get my get some CE credits, right? Because I need a permit license. It's three and a half hours away. I'm a little nervous about getting on an airplane right now and flying across the country. And I don't want to end up getting stuck somewhere that I don't want to be. Right. Um, and can't, and can't make it back home. So I just went someplace close and to get, um, get my CE credits, but I was so uncomfortable there that I wouldn't even make eye contact. I'm like living in Tennessee now, like everybody's so friendly. Like you say hello to everybody, you wave and you're driving down the road, you know? And I'm like, I, I didn't want to have a conversation because I'm like, what would I say to these people? We're so in such different worlds. What would I say? Oh, what's the what rabies vaccine are you using these days? You and know? you would have exposed yourself, and then it would have been like on in the concert in the concierge <laughs> level. We've got an invader. We must right. transform her mind. Surround immediately. I mean, that's scary. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
I'd be like, you're not one of us. I was not one of them. Yeah. That's so, that's so insane. So when you look at, uh, they, they won't recommend CBD. They won't recommend raw. Okay. Two pure natural things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're perfectly fine with the drugs that have the long list of side effects, the, you know, the ones that cause itchy skin and chronic ear infections, which I hear all the time. My dog has chronic ear infections. So we're going to stop using this protein and this protein and this protein. Right. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe we need to go back to stopping, you know, these other things. Now I will say this, Dr. Jasek, um, and I think you're going to do a video on chronic itching, which is amazing mm-hmm. because there's so many dogs that are chronically itchy. But if they've given one round of vaccines, let's say the dog's a year and a half, one round of vaccines, and they are battling chronic ear infections from then on, mm-hmm. is that just something that maybe cannot be healed the the comment was this and i i don't know because i've not seen evidence that says here's the bacteria so the pet parent said um we are battling chronic ear infections and bacteria and we have been for a year and a half now i don't know what bacteria that is mm-hmm. and that that's you know that's sort of a general statement but if they're if they pulled out all processed treats, all processed foods. They're doing a raw diet. Um, Is this just something that they may not ever be able to get on top of? What do you think? I think there can be permanent disruption to the, to the immune system. I mean, I think it will get better. Like if, you know, puppy, like say dog gets puppy shots and then people stop and they might be inflamed. I see a lot of dogs start itching like crazy, you know, less than a year of age. And I think that is due to the vaccines. Now, if they stop vaccinating, then going forward, I think those dogs do stand a chance of improving. But I do think there's a period of time where it's just the immune system is just disrupted. And the ears are tricky because you get, you know, yeast and bacteria growing in there. Those ears get inflamed and then you get these microorganisms growing and it's, it's hard to treat ears just because of the environment it's closed in. It's hard to get them like really well cleaned out. I also find, I've seen this actually quite a bit that a lot of the medications, especially the ear cleaners are irritating. They're part of the problem. So it starts with inflammation, just like anything else. Those ears get inflamed and there's this closed in warm, moist environment. Then these bacteria and yeast and all this start to grow in there. And then they create this debris and then there's more. And, and it's sometimes hard to get those ears really well uh, cleaned out. But some of these uh, cleaners especially are really harsh. And one of the things I'll sometimes do for really chronic ears is like stop doing all the medications and just do something mild, like a dilute apple cider vinegar rinse, maybe some coconut oil, just to see if they improve. And sometimes they get better when we stop treating because the, the medications are part of the problem. So that's one thing to look out for. But I, I do think that it's that there's this disruption in the immune system sometimes that can last for months, years, maybe even the life of the pet, depending on how I think like how robust their, um, you know, immune system is to begin with. If they're, you know, were they bred 
well? Do they have, you know, uh, do they come from strong genetics? How many generations of over-vaccinated dogs are they coming from? What's their heritage? I think that makes a difference too, because I think that dogs, like the immune systems get messed up with these vaccines and they might be passing some of that along. I, I really do think there's a genetic or an inherited tendency towards some of these things too. So a lot of variables that I think are not not brought up and it's not, it's always the meat protein that people harp on and they don't like, I'll say people like, well, I've tried chicken and beef and salmon and lamb and duck and they're allergic to all of them. Like, are those all kibbles? And if the answer is yes, it's like, well, yeah, because you're not getting rid of the processed carbs. Like they don't even think that there's, it's it's always the meat protein that gets blamed. And I guess that's got to be coming from the veterinary profession as well, thus pushes for these, you know, plant-based diets, which are terrible, but because they blame the, the meat proteins. Well, it's just, I run out of meat protein. So I guess I'll just feed plants, but it's not the meat protein. It's the, all the other stuff. And the toppers, I'm going to say there's some well-known doctors out there that have toppers that are really high in sugar. So we have to look at that. But I guess the question would be, you know, a lot of people, the, even if they get their dog from a breeder and they say, well, the, the breeder gave him their shots. Well, can you tell me which shot that they got? Did they get a four-way, five-way, nine-way, 50-way? I mean, what did they get, right? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. That's yeah. what they, they have no idea. Okay. Well, if, if here's what I would say. If you're going to look at the proteins, I guess I would go back, me, and I would look at the shots and I would say, were any of those shots created with some sort of animal protein in them? Right, right. Right. But but they don't even take that step. Right. Because they have no idea. They no, they don't it, know. It's just this generic shots. Like they don't know. They don't I don't I I think a lot of people don't even know what they're vaccinated for. Like they don't even know what those letters mean, D-H-P-P-L-C-V-E-Q. I don't know. They don't even know. They don't even know. (laughs) They don't even know what all those letters stand for. Yeah, they just had their shots. But it makes a big difference. You know, when I worked with clients that just were not comfortable letting go of the vaccines, I did monovalent shots. So at least you're only giving one thing at a time, which I found to be much, much safer for puppies. I think they're healthier if they get no shots, but at least they'd only be getting one thing. They wouldn't be getting these big, um, you know, conglomerate shots. So yeah, you have to be really careful. Know what they're getting, know what other medications, a lot of breeders treat, you know, they, they deworm. And I've seen dogs come from breeders that they're dewormed. They're treated for giardia. They're, they're put on metronidazole. They're put on um, Elbon for coccidia. And they're not testing for any of this stuff. They just treat for anything that a puppy can get. That's not healthy for their, you know, digestive tracts. Yeah. If they have parasites and you identify something, then yes, you, you know, you are going to want to address that, but just to treat for all of these things, um, you're just further, and then you hit them with these vaccines, you're really walloping their immune systems. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be fighting and, and fighting that means a lot of stress for you, uh, as a pet parent, a lot of money, a lot of testing, a lot of, uh, back and forth. Let me try this. Let me try that. It's expensive and it's, it's really maddening. And so you don't get to enjoy your dog. You really don't. Right. Right. 
you spend so much time trying to fix them when it could have been avoided. And I think that is the one thing that we um, stress a lot here on the podcast is it can be avoided. Whether you decide that it can't be or not, again, as, as you would say, doesn't take away the uh, eventual outcome. Whatever. I mean, if you say, well, I have to do it. Okay. Well, you don't really, but if you think you have to do it, there's still going to be consequences for that. Right. It doesn't mean that your pet's going to be healthy and right. Yeah. There are no have tos. Everything's, everything's a choice. You might, you know, have to be a little inconvenient. You know, I talk to people that insist on flying with their dogs. Like I, I don't have an option for you. I mean, don't fly. That would be my option, but I don't know how to get around a rabies shot. If you're going to travel, especially internationally, you have to have, you know, proof of rabies. So my answer to that is don't travel with your pet. That's what I do. Or you go in a car, you know, where you, you, you know, you don't have to prove vaccinations, but you either decide you're going to stick to your guns and advocate for your pet, even if it's, you're going to have to change your lifestyle. Maybe you're going to not do some things. It's just like, you know, the COVID shot, like, well, if I never go out to another restaurant or get an airplane again, so be it. I'm not getting it. I don't care. I'll just change my lifestyle. But I believe that firmly that that was not something I would ever get unless they would have to hold me down and force it into me. There's just no way. If I have to change what I do, then I change what I do. But that's how strongly I believe. And I don't think I don't think there's too many people that are that strong. They're like, but I want to do this. I want to, I want, I want to have my cake and, and eat it too. And then they end up treating a pet with cancer. Well, you know, you, you made your choices and, and it doesn't matter. Like you're saying, it doesn't matter if you thought you had to, your pet still has cancer at the end yeah. of the day. At the end of the day. And it's, and it's heartbreaking, right? Totally. So, so you spend all of your time running them back and forth to different, you know, appointments and you're trying this and you're trying that. And and it really is very, very exhausting. I talk to pet parents all the time. I'm sure you do too. They're exhausted. Oh yeah. And they're, they're about to pull their hair out. They can't fix it. They want to fix it. And they feel like, well, this is just going to be the plight of my dog for the rest of its life. It's going to be on Turkey forever. And it's just going to itch and I'm going to do Apicola. I'm going to do side point. And uh, that's going to cost me money as well. And uh, that's all we can do. And there's a lot of dogs like that out there, Dr. Jasek, and they're getting worse and worse and worse. And so I'm so excited about your Substack that you have that is really educating uh, pet parents. And they're not too long. They're not too long. So people can read them because, you know, we've been trained to only read, what is that? 13 words or so? <laughs> what no, is Twitter? <laughs> Oh gosh, I got to make them shorter. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, it's uh it it really is something uh that the brain is like ah, I, you know, it's too much, it's overloaded. But your substacks are not, they're not overloaded. That uh link for Dr. Jasic Substack is Judy Jasic D V M subs Judy Jasic DVM dot substack dot com. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> got it. There it is. And you got to know how to spell JASIC, which is J-A-S-E-K. It's so funny because people will call me and they'll say, my vet, you know, wanted me to talk to you about raw. And uh, and I'll say, who's your vet? And they'll say, JASIC? Dr. Oh. JASIC? <laughs> yep, yeah. I know her. 
<laughs> my, my name. Yeah, it's like it doesn't really look. It's pretty. It's really pronounced very much the way it's 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 spelled, but it's just different. So people are like, yeah, that's why I just usually go by Dr. Judy. There you go, Dr. J. We can Dr. make it J. even shorter. That's what right. I, that's we what could, I used to. When I had a clinic, class with my staff would call me Dr. J. It's just easier. There you go. You sound like a, a celebrity, uh, like a rapper, maybe. Oh, yeah. Dr. J all the way. Anyway, uh, get, <laughs> get over to uh, com. That's Dr. Jasek's website. She can Zoom with you. Um, you can get on her Substack. There's going to be, oh, don't forget the cancer webinar is up on our site now, part one, two, and three. It's in the supplement section. It's great. You can download it and watch it at your convenience. And I would say if you have a dog that has cancer, get these videos, watch them, and then have a consult with Dr. JC. But by the time you've watched these videos on cancer, you'll be way ahead and you can use that consultation time as maybe sort of a deeper dive. So that's a really great thing to do. They're up in the supplement section now. They're also in the educational video uh, section. Uh, so get over there and grab those. They're only $39.95 a piece and uh, watch our Yappy Hour sales because we put them in the Yappy Hour as well. All right, Dr. Jacek. Well, I hope you okay. have a great week out there with your chickens and Max. Max is growing. Yep, growing like a weed. That's awesome. They're get they they get big so fast. No, they do. It like and and ha- after having had chihuahuas for so long, it's like <laughs> wow, like full size dog. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. The food bill is a little different. Somebody contacted me the other day and they said, "I have six 65 pound dogs. What's oh, what what's shit. the most economical way to feed them? Wow. I don't I don't uh well I said this shop the yappy hour cell on Wednesdays. Uh shop the you know cases. Um but the fact of the matter is your big dogs need a species appropriate yeah. diet. Right. And it was whose choice to have all those dogs? And people right. complain like, oh, I can't afford, I can't be, I got all these dogs. I can't. Well, and who decided you should have all those dogs? And shouldn't we be aware that if we want to feed our pets good diets, then we don't have more pets than we can afford to feed good diets. That's my opinion. If you can't afford to take care of them properly, then maybe we need to, you know, re- rethink this and how many pets we actually want to manage. Right. And I did you know, I, I said to one of my neighbors, I said, look, because she, she was asking me, what am I, you know, for two dogs, you know, what am I spending? And I said, look, um, if you will fast both of your dogs one day a week, one day a week, you're going to save a ton of money because you, you figure out how many pounds that is. And the next question was, well, is that safe? Is that healthy? No, I'm just going to recommend something that's terribly bad for your dog. Yes. Because I like like to kill pets. (laughs) Just like, no, it's perfectly healthy. Yes. And um, so one of our other customers said that they actually could pay for the shipping. The shipping would totally be paid for if Mm. they fasted their dogs one day a week uh, for the month. And it paid for the shipping to ship the food. Wow. 
you know, I, I ran these numbers because you know, I'm in Tennessee now and I've been paying to have your food shipped out and it, you know, you have to pay for the shipping. It's expensive to ship the raw, but I still, I calculated. So with shipping, how much is it costing me per pound? And I think it was like around seven bucks. Like, where are you going to go buy good quality meat for seven bucks a pound? Like, it's still really reasonable. Yeah. Really, really, really reasonable, even with the shipping. And I had to do the math because I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you had sticker shock. You had sticker shock. Not used to having to pay the shipping, you know? And, but then I thought, no, wait a second. Let's, let's see. So I try to order as much as I can at one time, you know, to me, cause we've got freezer space and, and then I figured it out. It was like, it was still like seven something a pound. I'm like, well, that's still pretty dang reasonable. Yeah. So because, order. because I, because if you have to make it yourself, right. And you have to go get the protein and the bones and the organs and put those all together. And I and I tell my folks this, look, if you can make it and make it properly and you have the time and the wherewithal and all that, by all means, put it together. There's a lot of companies that are pushing that right now. You know, make your own food. But I don't know, Dr. Jasek, the prices that I'm seeing out there don't really mm-hmm. add up. I don't think, so. I mean, you can't go buy good quality meat, like even hamburger for less than probably what, eight to 10 bucks a pound. Right. You know, it's, it's a lot. And I see a lot of people do home prepared wrong. Um, You know, yeah, it's good to get pets off kibble. So I talk to people, they've made that step, which is good that they're aware of that, but um, it's really, and especially getting all these different organs, like where are you going to go buy those? Where are you going to go buy spleen or lung? You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to find, like if you're buying on the human side. Like you're just not going to find it because there's not a human market for that. So that's tricky unless you've really got access to those ingredients. But that's a ton of work. I remember cooking for my little dogs. It was a lot of work. I, it's hard to cook for ourselves to cook for the humans. Right. You know. Right. Like I don't. I don't want to take that. That kind. Not when there's options like your food. Yeah. Like it's thaw and feed. It's so simple. Yeah. And you know we want to make it simple so that people don't go back to the convenience kills kibble. <laughs> that's yes. that's what I call it. The convenience killer, which is called kibble. All right, Dr. Right. Jessica, well, I'm gonna let you go because I know that you got a busy day with your chickens and with Max mm-hmm. and with uh you know changing the world out there in Tennessee. Yeah. And never uh, a dull moment. Never a dull moment. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, we will see you next week. You guys remember it's ahavet.com, ahavet.com. Substack is Judy DVM dot substack.com get Ooh. your dog i did it i did it it just <laughs> takes me a little while get your dog on a species appropriate diet today we can help you there's a i'm overwhelmed button it's right there in the contact scroll down i'm overwhelmed that's fine we'll help you so when i uh, have days that i'm overwhelmed would that button help yeah it will it. yes <laughs> i just got- feel good to push it <laughs> push the button i'm overwhelmed what's your problem all right good <laughs> Yeah, I've got little short answers for everybody's problem. All right, everybody, get over to Rob Dog Food and Company.com where your pet's health is our business. And what, Dr. Jasek? Friends don't let friends feed kibble, not on hump day or any day. That's right. All right, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, snap. snap. 
Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.